Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to another episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today, well, I've brought on me mate, basically. <laughs> <laughs> she's a blogger, she's founder of Make Motherhood Diverse, a mum of two. Yeah. It's Candy's Brathwaite. Hello. Hi, <laughs> how are you? Up and down, up and down. We'll delve in later, I'm sure, but yeah, it's yeah. intense now. A four-year-old. Yeah, four yeah. months. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's... It's taken the wind out of me because he's come along at a funny time in my career. Yeah. And it's like, someone said last night I was out and they're like, it's like being in rush hour. You're in the rush hour of your life. And it's like, there's this new kid. And I'm like, okay, there's all these things I've wanted for a really long time. Yeah. But there's this person who needs me all of the time. And it's that constant balancing act. Yeah. I have kind of ignored you. Since you've arrived, I'm like, I don't want to hear it, Candice, until we start recording. Are you feeling happy though, right now, right in this, right in this moment? 
Really happy. Good. Really happy. The the PND that plagued me after Esme mm. didn't happen this time, I think for various reasons. Notably how great his birth was. Yeah. Even though it was an elective C, that was my decision. Yep. And I felt so empowered in that. And so that was a great step. And so now, even with the teething, because we're teething now, I'm just like, oh, I love you so much. And I love this moment so much. Whereas with Esme, I was just like, oh, just get us to one. Now turn two. I was always, yeah, yeah. And now I look at him and I'm like, this goes so quick. Mm. He looks so different. He's so aware. He's trying to interact so much more. And I'm like, you're four months. You're four months. Like, this is crazy. Oh. Um, so first off, let's start with you and your yeah. childhood. What was your childhood like? My childhood was wonderful but really different. Mm-hmm. I was raised by my granddad and oh. my nan um, on my mum's side. Uh, my granddad got mugged before I was born and he was left blind in one eye from that mugging so he never worked again Right. so after my mum had me he had me full time and my nan was the breadwinner of that household and we're talking the 80s like this is re- that was taboo yeah, yeah, yeah. like for my nan to go out to work and my granddad did all the washing and all the cooking and all the ironing and he took me to school but what's really interesting now I'm 30 now and I look back and I'm like that was such an amazing experience yeah. because all the things that are expected in households now, that wasn't my upbringing. It yeah. was me and granddad all the time. And I didn't move in with my mum until I was like 10. Oh, really? Yeah. I lived with them for the first 10 years and it was really strict. They're from Barbados. It was like <laughs> my first primary school, you didn't have to wear uniform and my granddad bought me uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I love that. I was like, no, you will take this seriously because you are going to school. <laughs> and he used to like iron my hair ribbons and I was just like, Granddad, please. And he, so he, that's the thing, he didn't just, he took it on yeah, fully. Yeah. And he is like, my dad died when I was 21 and I remember going to see my dad in the Chapel of Rest and my granddad was there. And as sad as that was, I was like, you know, my dad has gone, but my dad is still here. Yeah. My granddad is my dad. He would wake me up and put me to bed like that's my dad so yeah so what were your relationships like with your mum and dad having lived with your grandparents for like 10 years <sighs> really strange you know mm. like I argued with my mum just this morning my mum I love her to death but sometimes it feels like I've done a lot of the parenting mm. and my brother he's 16 he got in at 5am this morning <sighs> and I was like dude for you like you would not let, <laughs> let me do that basically and that's <laughs> You know, my sister was there as well and we were like, Mum, when we were growing up, you'd never allow that. Why are you not, like, shouting at him? And she's like, oh, I'm really stressed. I don't... And I'm just like, I have to accept she's never going to be like Mum. Mm. She's never going to be the disciplinarian. But also having my own kids, I'm like, sometimes just giving birth is enough. Yeah. Because carrying these babies and giving birth to them is really hard. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a parent. I think of the way I used to look up to my dad especially. And now I'm like, wow, you were playing make-believe this whole time. Really? You didn't know what you were doing. (laughs) You didn't know how you were going to keep a roof over. You didn't know anything. You're just up there keeping it together because I'm looking at you like, dad, you got this, yeah? 
And you're like, I got this. And now I'm the mum. I'm like, I never have this. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at your kids you and look, you're like... <laughs> you look back and see, was there panic in her eyes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, my kids look at me now and I'm like, I got this. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And so looking back at that, I'm like, they've done the best. Yeah. They've done them as much as you know. When my dad died, that just took the wind out of me, man. Till today, it's it's a struggle to speak about because one day he was here, the next he was not. He died of sepsis. He had the flu, and it just wow. spiraled out of control. Yeah. And I was no pair in Italy at the time, and I found out via email. And I'm my dad's only child, and there's no one to share this pain with. Yeah, there's no one that knows how I feel as an only child which as bad as Esme's birth was when I was pregnant with RJ was like, I really want to do this. I know what it's like to lose a parent and just be there alone. You know, I want to give them the blessing of a sibling. Yeah. Were you particularly close to your dad? Yeah. Yeah. He was like the the everything for my mum she's like she will not discipline you she's just the hippie of the world if you're happy I'm happy <laughs> I'm better she <laughs> is totally like that I was like are you good <laughs> I'm good. That just came straight out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm good whereas my dad was like do you have a plan are you going to uni do you know how to save money yeah like he gave me my first job at 15 um as a receptionist in his law firm and, you know, all my friends would hang out after school and be like, I'm going to work. And they're like, what? And he was like, no, you've got to own this responsibility. I just looked for him to guide me, like, straight and narrow. And I looked up to him. I remember a conversation we had when I was about eight. And he was like, you know, I always wanted to be a journalist. But I was a black guy in the 70s. That was just not going to happen for me. And with every opportunity I have now, I'm like, I wish my dad could see this. Wow. Like, so much has changed. Yeah, it's A lot is still the same and it's still really hard. Yeah, But if he could see the things I get to do now, I think he'd just be like, yeah, I couldn't, but she's doing it. And it's like, amazing. It's really interesting that the two men in your life yeah. really had a massive input and and wanted you to be the best yeah. you could be yeah like I speak to my granddad like twice a week and he's just like you're smashing it any like magazine art does he understand in, it he doesn't get it at all <laughs> <laughs> it was his birthday a couple months ago and I put him on Instagram and he's like what's this Instagram <laughs> he's like will I get paid for this I'm like granddad it doesn't well, he doesn't get any of it but he sees that I'm able to carve out a career and be happy. And I'm the first woman in my family ever to do something I really want to do. My nan didn't have that opportunity. She took the first job, kept her head down, stayed there for 25 years. My mum just tried to balance the books. Mm -hmm. I'm the first black woman in my family to be like, I actually love my job. I wake up every day and I get paid to do something that I'm not just good at, but I really enjoy. Do you think that's because you are... It's so in your personality anyway. (laughs) But do you think you are pushing boundaries that maybe were there for your... for the other... for for your mum and your your nan? Definitely. And not just boundaries, like, based on being a woman, but, like, cultural boundaries. Mm -hmm. There's a lot I do as a black woman that the black community will be like, oh, my God. Really? Did she really say that? Did she really share that? 
because of our history, because of what we've been through as people, we can be really secretive. And it's like, you know, don't show any weakness, don't show any gaps, just keep it pushing. And especially online, I'm just like, I'm having a really bad day. Like, we don't talk about depression mm -hmm. as much as we should in the black community. So for me to be so vocal, it's like I'm constantly pushing that boundary yeah and even my mum this morning after that argument she's like you're always that child like you're that one and I'm like I know I'm sorry but you know I know I can be annoying and sometimes it comes off as argumentative but I'm just like why should things be this way mm -hmm. and my dad always forced me to question things he was like don't have someone roll something out and you just go Oh, yeah. Well, it must feel very strange as well because Instagram mm -hmm. and what we do, it's so, so much about sharing. Yeah. So if to be there and kind of going, oh, well, I can't share that. So, well, what are you doing? This is it. <laughs> this is it. And I'm sharing to an audience who most of my audience are nothing like me. Mm. And what they know of black women or the black community is what you constantly see in the media, which ain't always good. Mm. And I'm like, no, some of us are really thriving. We're not just surviving. You know, our black kids aren't being stabbed every day. And I really just want to be like, we're doing well. We're doing well. Mm. I really have to always fight to be that voice of positivity yeah. and happiness because I know what you read in the world is completely different. Do you feel like you are able to just be you on Instagram or do you feel like there's another layer that's kind of like I am representing? Always representing. Mm. And not just on Instagram, in life. Yeah. It, like every time I walk out on the street, I understand that there's another layer to my existence. Someone messaged me the other day and they were like, oh, you haven't spoken about these recent killings regarding race in the US. I'm like, dude spiritually this is draining because this is my existence every single day so I don't always want to jump on Instagram and be like I'm sad I'm tired and I don't know how to fight this fight that's a lot to ask of one person yeah. all the time sometimes I just want to jump on there and be like look at my new dress guys hi thanks <laughs> bye <laughs> that is fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> but hey so what sort of mum did you think you would be did you hope you would be ah uh, I thought I was going to be so cool, man. I thought, yeah, my kids are just going to love me and I'm going to take them everywhere. Yeah. And it's not going to be a problem. They're just going to be on board. And it's like they come and I'm just like, this is not what I planned. <laughs> um, Esme. Esme is me. She pushes the boundaries. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, honey, everything is a question. Everything is why. Then she'll go and investigate why not. She She's four and she knows about periods. And oh, wow. She asks me so many questions and I'm just like, I look at her and I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. No one lied to me, but no one sat me down and told me the truth. Yeah. And I think when that gap appears, then when peer pressure sets in, your friends can tell you a whole host of things. Yeah. And one day she found a box of tampons and were like, what are these? And I was like, hmm. I was like, Candy, just, just tell the truth to a point, yeah. you know? Like, where do babies come from? Okay, scientific answer. Because I'm like there's going to come a time where I'm not around and I don't want you sourcing that info from the wrong people mm -hmm. and getting it all wrong. And I know she's only four, but they're going to grow up like that. Yeah. And I just want her to be level-headed, you know? When you first had her, you stayed at home, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. That was tough. Watching my partner, Papa B, go out to work every day, that was like the sin. And I would wait for him to come home and just be like, take your child. 
this is really hard to deal with that crying every day and not have an outlet. And I wasn't really the mum and baby group type. Yeah. My sister didn't yet have kids. Right. Uh, my niece came along, I think a year after, and the minute my niece was born, my sister was like, I get it. This Did you is... feel quite isolated? Oh, last year? so alone. Like, literally being in the trenches. And it, it's not just me and this baby, it's me and this new body. Mm-hmm. It's me and these new emotions, all by myself. Whereas when my mum had me, she still lived at home. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, everyone's here. The baby cries. It's not just me, you know. What stopped you going from to, like, to groups and stuff? Just, I think, fear of judgment. I wasn't that young when I had her, 26. But, you know, I was like, am I going to be the only black woman? Is there going to be lots of questions? Is that literally, like, is that a question that pops up in your mind all the, like, especially in that? Because being a mum, going to a group, you do feel like you're going to be judged. Yeah. You know, but I don't have that extra layer, like... Yeah, it's a major. It comes up all the time because I'm like, you know, again, it's that whole thing of will they be judging me based on what they see in the media? Will I walk in and there's nothing wrong with it? But will they just be like, oh, young single mum? And, you know, will I get a chance to explain myself? Will I get a chance to tell my story? And by the time you've built up all of those things, the kid's gone down for a nap and you're like, I'm not even going to bother. Yeah. And that rolls on every single day. Yeah. And then it wasn't until my sister had my niece and we've got our own little girl gang. It's like, oh, I feel at peace now. I can ring someone every day and be like, I'm not doing so well. And she gets it. And I was there when my niece was born. I literally legged it up the stairs just as she was coming out. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was seeing slow motion, like catching a rugby ball just like, in my head. <laughs> and it was seeing my sister give birth was a great plaster to my really hard experience with Esme. My sister gave birth in complete silence. Really? And was just like, she, she literally just said, I can, I can feel pressure. And then she just started this like really silent transition. And watching that happen, I was like, oh my God, this is this is what I wanted. I didn't get it, but it's so nice to be part of a healing experience. Mm. I was like, this is lovely. Was es- Esme's birth quite traumatic then? Yeah, she was overdue. I was induced. 19 hours of induced labour. Can't get off the bed, can't eat, can't move around. The contractions when you're induced are just... So next level. Um, After 19 hours, I'd only dilated one centimetre. And they wanted to keep me on this trip for another 12 hours without wow. food. And I was like, this, this is not happening. Yeah. Um, asked for a C-section, got it. Uh, she was born on the day my dad died, coincidentally. Such, I know, I know. <laughs> um, She's out. I go home five days later, I smell this awful smell. I thought, gosh, I know kids poo bad. It was me. My section had gone septic. Um, Rushed back to hospital, 70% sepsis throughout my body. (gasps) They're like, yo, if we don't operate and clean you out now by tonight... We might pronounce you dead. Were you, you dead. feeling bad though? Was it literally just the smell that made you go? Just the smell. I did. I was having really bad sweats, but everyone said that yeah, was yeah, normal. Yeah, mum sweats. Yeah, 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 yeah I was sweating through to the mattress, yeah. and everyone was like, "Oh, you're fine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even when they took my temperature at hospital, they were like, "You're not even registering a fever," and that's what's so scary. Wow. And. The night before the smell issue, I'd put Esme to sleep. I'd fallen asleep. I know baby police, don't you? And she'd wriggled down. Right. And the weight of her 
had made that scar explode. And it was just black and green pus running down my leg. And at that moment, I was just frozen. To have a doctor lean over you and be like, if we don't deal with this now, you might not make it to tonight. My child is five days old. This is my first child. I was just like, are you having a laugh? Are you having a laugh? It was horrible. I was in intensive care after that. I couldn't see Esme. Esme. How long for? Five weeks. Yeah, five weeks in total. You, oh. Yeah, yeah. I saw her once and like when they brought her in the room they were like she can't even stay long because of like infection levels oh my god everyone that came to see me had to wear surgical masks yeah i had four tubes coming out of me like draining the rest of the pus and blood yeah it was horrific and esme stayed with my stepdad and my mum and by the time i recovered i felt like i didn't even know this kid yeah she responded so much more to my mum than me Mm -hmm. i didn't even get the chance to breastfeed luckily because she could have got sepsis through my breast milk oh my god yeah it was just so when i fell pregnant with rj i'm not gonna lie we did contemplate not moving forward really because papa b was like i can't i'm not willing to lose you to have another child that makes no sense we'd see we'd come close to that he was like i can't do that again it literally ripped through our family for a really long time when it must have affected your bond with esme your relationship with papa b you know yeah and i i love esme to death but i i do feel a difference with her and rj i don't love him more but because his was so seamless there's just a different response. I wonder if that's also second child, though. Because for me, there was all the other pressures and all the other stresses of not knowing what I was doing, that expectation, feeling like, you know, everyone was going to th- think I was a failure, feeling like I had to be Wonder Woman. Um, uh, letting that go yeah. meant I could just enjoy yeah. Buddy, yeah. whereas I didn't feel that with Buzz. Yeah, the pressures. The yeah. pressures. And I feel like, we, uh, you know... By the time you have your second kid, I feel like even healthcare professionals respect you more. Like you say something and they're like, you know what you're doing. Mm. Whereas with your first kid, it's not that because yeah. you, you don't even know. Every little twinge or pain, you're like, oh, yeah. should I go to the hospital? Yeah. With your second, you're like, no, I'm fine. This mm-hmm. is the neighbour. <laughs> so it's just about by the second, you trust your instincts more. And I... Papa B really supported me the second time round. He was like, you've got this. And, you know, once we'd moved by then, so we're in a different place, but um, the hospital and the midwives, they read my notes and they were like, whatever you want, you shall get. Because that, the fact you're even having another kid, like, bow down Mm. to you, and whatever you need to support yourself, it's going to happen. And it was brilliant. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What was it like coming home after being in hospital for five weeks and, and being uh, slotting into, into motherhood? It was like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. And even when I came home, I, um, they'd stapled my scar. So I had 22 staples. So I was still very limited yeah. in how I was moving. And yeah, it was just, I look back on pictures then. Number one, I was a rake because I'm just stressed about my kid Mm -hmm. and I'm not eating. And I don't think there's a picture of me being really joyful with Esme till she's like two. Really? You can see in my eyes, it's just this constant like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Who am I? Yeah, for a really long time. It was like another period of mourning. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think part of that was staying at home? Definitely. Definitely. When I when I went back to work and I went back to work in publishing, I was like, freedom, you know. <laughs> well, adult conversation, oh. interaction, being on a train <laughs> and not having anyone with you, reading a book, like, listening to a podcast. I was like, just you're you going to pay you. me to do this? Like, <laughs> no way. You want me to work overtime? Okay. <laughs> like, dude, like, and I, I, I fell in love with her a bit more then yeah. because I'm at work and I'm missing her and I'm like, you don't get all the, the tantrums and the shouty bits. You get the bedtime and mm. the the sweetness but then even then that didn't last long because there's that constant pull and then it got to a point where it's like I'm sick of looking at the clock waiting for 4.59 and then rushing out the door and then yeah I got to see both sides and I was like I don't like either one really (laughs) I want to work I really want to work watching my mum's life I really encourage the financial independence of women Mm -hmm. I've watched women stay in abusive relationships because they do not know how they will move forward financially. I want that for every single woman. Mm -hmm. Like, make money, make as much as you can because money gives you options. So I knew that I wanted to work, I needed to work, but I was also like, I never saw my mum, hence why I lived with my grandparents. Like, I literally rocked up to my mum at 10 and was like, let's do this parenting thing. And even now, that still causes a problem because I look at her and I'm like, you're my mum, but you're not my mum. Yeah. You know? And I didn't want Esme to look at me like that Mm -hmm. and be like, dude, who are you? I don't see you ever, you know? But hey. So the thing is, Nick, once the once the uh, initial, like, uh, fun has gone out of not being there and being able to... This is it. And I just kept looking into the future, like... I'm not going to be the perfect mum, but the stuff that my parents taught me or didn't teach me, I don't want Esme and RJ to do that to me, Mm -hmm. to hold up a mirror and be like, yeah, but... They'll be buts, but they cannot be the same buts that I looked at my mum and dad for. Yeah. Because then I haven't done it. I haven't elevated. It should always be a step up. It won't be perfect, but they'll look at me and be like, no, she, she tried her best. Yeah. So when you left publishing, yeah, that must have been a big step. Oh, I cried for weeks. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, cry- I cried as I was handing in my resignation. I cried throughout the whole process because, um, again, black women in publishing, so thin, mm. so thin. Mm. It's, you know, to even crack into that market, so to speak, it felt like a blessing almost, especially I didn't go to uni. 
Like, I'm not book smart, you know. I'm from Brixton, South London. This doesn't <laughs> happen to us. So to even occupy this space yeah. and then to turn my back on it, I was like, are you even doing the right thing, man? But I'd worked in marketing within publishing and I'd, I'd seen where influencer marketing was going. Right. I was like, oh, this is a thing. Mm. And these women are able to stay at home with their kids and to work with brands and to make money and to have some kind of balance, not the best balance. I looked at that market and I was like, okay, no woman of colour, no woman of colour, no woman of... I was like, hmm. I enjoy making content and I understand that it's going to take a while before I can even push that tide. But if I'm going to be at home, I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah. Like I'm just going to shut my eyes and not take my eye off the ball. I know I can crack this. And I speak from a place of privilege. I don't have many, but I've got the kind of guy that's like, I'm going to hold you down until you're happy. Mm -hmm. And I've always told him at some point in the near future, I'm going to return that favour. You don't have to go to a job you don't like. Yeah. I'm going to hold it down so you can get... Because it's, it's such a great feeling mm -hmm. to be like, oh, I love my job. But I was skint for three years to get there. Exactly, and I, I do think that that's something that people don't really get, that actually it is a slow burner. It's yeah. a, you have to really invest. I don't think it's something like, oh, I'm just going to start sharing and now, why? <laughs> you know, and it has to come from a place of wanting to share. Mm. Like, you have very much... I want to say educate, but I don't mean educate. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've... Yeah. I didn't even think about the fact that the majority of the people that I followed on yeah. Instagram, the, the majority of mums that mm. I see are white, yeah. middle class. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Until, you know, we... <laughs> it was so fun. Like, we started talking one day and I'm like, oh, like, yeah. how how has that happened? This is it. And guess what? I don't... I, I always want to be frank about this. That's not your fault. That's no one's fault. I don't wake up every day and go, oh, I wonder what it's like to be G, you know? Yeah. I wake up with you my don't? issue... <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I wake up with my issues yeah. and my and I just but to always be the minority in a space, you notice these things all the time. Yeah, yeah. And when I had Esme and joined Instagram, I just saw parenting and mothering in a space that I couldn't understand. Mm. I was skint as hell, you know, I didn't have popular friends, I didn't know how to network. And I was just like, wow, all these people like going out and stuff, it looks so fun. Well, and, and I do think it's a, a, a there's a point of how it's changed as well because mm. when Instagram first started, anything that was mother-based was all very, very filtered, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. all very, very perfect. Here's us looking pretty <laughs> on a beach, you know, look at my slim down body, you know. <laughs> It was all it was all very much like that. And then yeah. when I when I started and you know, Mother Pucker and people like that, it we started kind of keeping that unfiltered. Yeah. You know, keep, let's put some reality in that so yeah. that we don't we're all sick of looking at Instagram and feeling like we are inferior, that yes. we're getting it wrong, yeah. we're failing. Yeah. And there are more people like us. Yeah. Um and and now I feel like this is the next step. Mm. Know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like people always say, oh, it's long overdue. And I'm like, no, nothing happens before it's time. Mm. And um, I always, it's like an analogy of a table. And I always say like the white privilege table has the best food. And then like a lot of minorities feel like they're at a table with like overnight KFC. 
But we stay there because we look over at that table. A, we don't see any space. And B, very few people say, come over here. The food's great. (laughs) Take a seat. (laughs) I think as a person of colour, as a minority, you've got to be able to leave your table if you don't like what's being served. Because some people are fine, whatever table they're at. If you don't like that and having the balls to go over to that table and be like, I want to sit here. This looks like fun. I think you guys get a better spread than me. Like, make some room. Yeah. That's how I see it in my mind. Oh, look, there's quinoa. <laughs> you know. Oh, a bit of avocado. How lovely. Pomegranate, great. <laughs> and just, like, getting comfy and being like, I, I want to be in this space. Yeah. And it's been really challenging on both sides. Really? Yeah, really challenging. I'm... Uh, you know, I sometimes have people say to me, yeah, but like that space isn't for you. The people that I'm trying to make this space for are like, why would you do that? We're good. And I'm like, well, I'm not good. Mm. I don't live in a solely black society. Yeah. You know, I went to very multicultural schools. Why Why do I have to be divisive? Mm-hmm. Why? It makes no sense. And then when we break it down to business, it, it will never make sense. Yeah. Because whoever and whatever you're selling to, it's always going to be a diverse group of people. Yeah. And I think now even brands have just woken up and gone... But doesn't that make it more exciting? Like, like when you suddenly start following people outside of your your this world, is it. you're like, I had no idea that your life was like that, or you know, I, I, I it baffles me. And that what's so funny is even then, after you've ticked all those differences, you've you've always got more similarities. Mm. You're like, oh my god! Even though we grew up in two different places, we feel exactly the same right now. And isn't that a massive thing, though? I, I do feel like. It has to come from a place of we are all like the yeah. same. Yeah, we all it's inclusion in in the fact that we don't even think about it being inclusion rather than it being about a tick in a box. This is it. This it's like it's. I just want it to come down to the human experience. Mm. We've had kids, man. We all struggle. Yeah. There are a lot of us just sitting under our stairs crying every day. <laughs> Race doesn't mean, you know, yeah. where you come from, how much you earn. None of that matters mm-hmm. when you feel like that. And it's just about opening up that space. And I, I think I'm making headway. I think so. I think you are. <laughs> I think you really are. Oh, babe. Don't, you know I like to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Many occasions. <laughs> I love a cry. <laughs> so, uh, falling pregnant with RJ mm. and being on Instagram and, and social media and having your teeth. I, I think I first, um, I think Natasha Bailey yes. had first sort yeah. of said, oh, you should follow. Uh, so I looked you up and I think you just followed. I like, just finished like a gym session or like you'd been working out. You were sweaty, but you had a point to make. You were saying your piece. And I was like, I need to follow this woman. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, and 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 then you actually you you um, you came along and shared an event for me. I know. And, I know. It was amazing. I know. I fell in love with you even more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, when I first met you, you were five months pregnant with Archie. Yes, mm. yes. And it's so funny because people are like, have you guys not met before? And we were like, no, no. <laughs> we, we haven't actually met. Yeah, I was pregnant and I, I was scared, man. Really? I was scared. I was like, life has changed a lot since Esme. Yeah. And in a really short space of time, I remember, again, I just remember being like really broken, confused when we had her. And RJ's just brought so many blessings. Like it's, it's very strange to go from not being able to afford nappies to being sponsored by nappy brands. Yeah. 
That's insane. Yeah. I'm just like, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, whose life is this? Well, they don't give you nappies for life. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Yeah. But as I grow and I want to share this on Instagram, I'm always still that girl. Mm. I'm that girl who knows what it's like to not have a lot. I'm that girl who understands that, girl, you, you've got lucky here. You've, you've been raised by people who have not made you fear being mm. different and occupying a certain space. And I'm always going to be like the first on the battlefield for those young black women who are like, I'm really confused and I, I'm scared to step into this space. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's what the life online's like, isn't it? You do kind of raise each other up. Yes. You kind of like, I love the fact that you're doing well. You know, you kind of have to do that to other yeah. people. Yeah, all the time. And online can be such a drag. It can be a drag. But then I hold on to these positive things and I'm like, no, I must not quit. Mm. Because I know that people get power from this. I know there's someone at home like, I can do that. I can find a way to leave a space I'm not happy in yeah. and make it work. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but I can make that leap. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like being pregnant with RJ and sharing it? And you know. <sighs> What was it like being pregnant with RJ? I find pregnancy really easy. Were you, were you worried, though? You know, although I guess you did have an elective yeah. C-section, yeah. you know, so you knew that that side of things yeah. weren't going to... Was I what I was? I hypnobirthed. I hypnobirthed, even though we knew yeah, yeah, that yeah. the elective so C. Because yeah. for a lot, up until seven months, I was like V back, V back, V back, <laughs> and then I just had this moment of, but why? Yeah, why? A C is what you know. Yeah, and if we're really like doing this whole equality thing, all birth is equal. Why are you? For, why are you literally forcing the V back issue? Don't do it to yourself. Yeah. We now live in an area where there's no family around us. Having a C gives me a schedule. Yeah. It's like, can you come and help with Esme? Can you do this? Can you do that? We got the date. It was one week before my 30th birthday. It was like, oh, gosh, I might be able to have a little sip or something. Yay. <laughs> and then Sod's Law, he was born on my 30th birthday. We share a birthday. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, dude, thanks for this. Um, but pregnancy, I love, apart from the piles, I love pregnancy. <laughs> but I don't think we've ever had anyone talk about piles on oh, the podcast. I feel like God. it should be talked about. <laughs> um, but elective or not, that going down to surgery always tips me over the edge. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a massive operation. Yeah. And, you know, your child is going to be shown to you as you can't really do much. And then you, I always forget that the longest part of this surgery is the, the sewing up. Yeah. And just having people... And bless them, they followed my birth plan to a T. Like, one of the top points was no, like, Saturday chatter. I don't want to know what you had for breakfast. I don't want to know you argue. Because I remember with Esme, as I was being wheeled down, the guy was like, let's hurry this up. I should have been home 20 minutes ago. And that, yeah, after yeah, all yeah. I went through yeah. with Esme, that really hung over well, my you head. Can't, you can't stop yourself thinking, I imagine, is it because... Did something go wrong? Exactly. Is it because he was in a rush? Exactly. He hadn't had his ex Benedict. <coughs> I mean... You know, so my first point was none of that. And they they were just all brilliant. Yeah. They were so good. And I was like, yes, it's a section, but it was blissful. Recovery of any birth is always testing. But you've been busy. Oh, you haven't really allowed yourself to I haven't have stopped. time. Yeah. yeah. 
I haven't stopped. Have you found it really difficult kind of working out that balance? Yeah, there is none. There is none. Yeah. I'm a classic Pisces. I'm like all or nothing. Yeah. Um, and I know it's only for a short time. Mm-hmm. I speak to people I work with every day and I'm like, I'm just trying to get to this point where I can hit cruise control and know that I can provide for my family in a way where I'm not stressed. Mm. But I know at this time, and I know it's a crucial time with RJ, it's like all or nothing. Because I'm just trying to stack those chips so that by the time he goes to school, I can be more selective. And it's hard. Four months is no time. None. But look at how much you've done in this four months. (laughs) You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I remember, like, ha- I looked at my emails and by week two, I was like, right, out of office is off. It's crazy. At two weeks. Yeah. But again, that pressure of working for yourself. And I was well, like, and you've worked so hard. I do think there is that thing, especially like with what we do, you build up. Mm. You build up and then to suddenly stop. This is it. This is it. Like, what? Well, you can't. I was like, and not just that, I enjoy it. Yeah. And I know there are a lot, you know, a lot of women are made to feel guilty about saying that. I enjoy it. I enjoy the planning, the scheduling, the meetings. I live for this. Mm. And if I don't have that, I'm going to be such a rubbish mum. Yeah. Because I'm going to be resentful. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be like, I love you so much, but I could be doing this. And it's okay to say that. Yeah. It's okay to say, I really love you, but I really want to crack it in this area. And, you know, to look around and be like, who can help me with this? Mm-hmm. Like, right now, my kids are with my mum. And I'm like, mum, I need you to do this while I get to this point. Like, help me. Yeah. And some people I know, not everyone has that help or that money, but don't be ashamed to be like, they're wicked, but this is the sweet spot. Mm. And I just have to, like, I'm exhausted, but I have to ride it. Yeah. How does it compare having Esme and not even going to a baby group to now having this massive community of women who are behind you? It's life-changing. It's like, I think, as bad as Esme's birth was, I think having the kind of support online and in real life that I've had with RJ has stopped me from tipping over the edge. Mm. There are so many women who message me every day and they're like, uh, slow down. We've never met. We've ne- <laughs> yeah. But they're like, I see you every day. Like, yeah. he's only four months. These strangers, like, keep tabs on you. Mm. They're like, don't do that. Don't feel bad for that. It's okay to say no. And I'm like, like, I, I, I was never the popular girl at school. Like, I was the only one in uniform. I was like the geek, the nerd. <laughs> I loved you. <laughs> Like, no one was like, oh, we're not friends with Candice. And so now to be in this place where I've got all these, like, friends. friends, And that's how I view that community. It is. I always want to meet them and talk to them and hug them. Like, I'm really tapped out. I'm like, yes! And they're like, oh, you responded. I'm like, why would I not? Mm. What do you think? Someone the other day, I was, like, making salmon on Insta stories. And they were like... I I didn't think you'd use that brand of seasoning. Didn't think you were that kind of girl. And I was oh, like, listen, listen. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so funny because it's all these Did preconceptions. Did you to justify your seasoning? Yeah, I, was like, I was like, I'm still just a round the way gal, you know? And it doesn't matter where my career goes. Yeah. It's all about community. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. 
I, I need to wrap up. Oh, but, you know, I feel like we could have talked about... I wanted to talk to you about body positivity because oh, I think sorry. you're absolutely amazing. <laughs> the way you've shared your breastfeeding journey with RJ has been amazing. You're just incredible and I absolutely love you. And, you know, you know that. You know that anyway. Uh, so I'm going to ask you three... Well, ask you to complete three sentences for me. OK. OK. OK? Yeah. okay. Being a mum means... Giving all of myself without losing myself. I have not heard that before and I love it. Yeah. Like giving all of myself but yeah. not losing my... I would lay down my life for them. Yeah. But even, you know, as the pastor was leaning over my coffin and you guys were reading my eulogy, you'd see that I lived for myself. Yeah. I did a lot for me. Even though at the end of the day, I'd still turn it all over for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since being a mum, I... Since being a mum, I realised that I just went too hard on my own mum and my parents, man. Having that mirror held up to myself every day by these young kids, I'm like, you you had no idea. And I'm going to write a lot of it off. Yeah. And I'm happy when? <sighs> I'm happy when, I'm not going to lie, I'm happy when I'm working. I'm happy when I'm busy. I'm happy when my kids are happy. All those normal things. But, yeah, I'm just happy when, even if it's for 10 seconds, I feel like I've got some balance. Yeah. It's only for 10 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> you had it. You had it for that 10 seconds. <laughs> Candice, it's been an absolute pleasure. I literally, Ooh. literally could have spoken to you for about two hours. Thank you for having me, babe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.